Welcome to another inspirational podcast at Real Life Church. For more great content and updates, visit reallifechurchkc.com. about you guys, but I'm having flashbacks to when I was six years old, sitting up in the kitchen, setting the dominoes up. Did you guys do that? I didn't have any of those cool big ones, though. I think I got, I got gypped out a little bit. So, hey, here I want to start off today with this. We talked about 21 days of prayer and fasting, and as Diane mentioned, everybody's got the flu, so I don't know what we had on the first day yet, because I haven't checked, but we're going to change our first day to prayer and fasting to praying for Pastor Sean. The guy is running 104 degree temperature. He's on the edge of death, I think. Or should we pray for uh, Diane? I'm not sure which way we should pray. One of those two ways. So keep him in mind. We love him. He does a great job. He's faithful to God. So thank you, Pastor Sean, for everything that you do. So as we've already talked about, new year, new decade even. I was reminded of a new decade. The last time I thought about a decade was uh, when I stayed up in 1999. Some of you guys weren't even alive. And we waited for the end of the world. It's 2000, right? Some of you guys remember that. So it's full of a new year, it's a new hope, new possibilities. And it's something else I've learned this week. I've heard of Black Friday, I've heard of Cyber Monday, but have you guys ever heard of Dating Sunday? It's a real thing. Today is the day, January the 5th is Dating Sunday 2020. And what it is, is it is the most used, or it's the busiest time of year for social dating apps. So if you're single out there, today is the day to jump on, we have some witnesses right here that tell you that it works, so the possibilities are endless starting today. So we're excited just as a church. I'm excited for you as individuals as we start talking about habits, because I know that God's got something great for you guys in your life. He's got something that he's calling you to, and so what an awesome time just to, to stop and focus on what that might be. So as we get into what we're talking about today and for the next couple of weeks, I just want to recognize that some of the stuff that you're going to hear is some of the stuff that maybe you've heard before or you've read before. And you may have heard something from you know, somebody like uh, James Clear on the, with the book Atomic Habits or Dwayne Hardy Compound Effect. Or maybe you've read something by John Maxwell or Stephen Covey or something like that. So you're going to probably be able to pick out a few things like, I've heard that before, I've read that before. And we want to give these guys credit. Because what they brought to the table is something that is just absolutely true. And we believe that all truth is God's truth. So if you heard it somewhere before, you probably have. But we want to start off with the thought today. And we want to talk about why are habits important with this idea. Successful people do consistently what other people only do occasionally. Is that not true? Think about this, somebody that's just knocking out of the park. Somebody you know, is just, it seems like they're on fire for God. Somebody that just has it all together. They are practicing spiritual disciplines behind the scenes that most of us just do occasionally. Think about somebody that's financially free, somebody that's super generous, somebody that just seems to just not have a worry at all. They're not worrying about how to pay the light bill next month. Well, they've practiced disciplines in their life that have allowed them to be that person that is financially free. 
The same thing applies to relationships. It applies to so many other aspects of our life. I love what Sean Covey says this. Our habits will make or break us. We become what we repeatedly do. Is that not true? We become what we repeatedly do. And I think about, you know, wanting to be successful. We all want to be successful. And I think, and I read through the, you know, the, the, the word of God and through scripture, and I start seeing tons of successful people. You know, we would consider Jesus successful, wouldn't we? In the eyes of God, he was very successful. What about the Apostle Paul? Another person, super successful. We can apply that word successful to their lives. But here's what we don't read in scripture. We don't see Jesus off on the side just whining like, man, I just can't find time to pray. These stinking apostles, they're killing me. They don't listen. I tell them what to do. I'm, I'm breaking my hands, just tearing up these fishes and loaves, feeding all these people. We don't see Jesus doing that, do we? We see Jesus enacting a habit in his life to become successful. What does he do? Many times through scriptures, he breaks away from the crowd. And what does he do? He prays. He pulls away consistently to pray to God. He doesn't make excuses. Same with the thing with Apostle Paul, another successful person in Scripture. He, he just consistently made a habit of going to the temple, right? Can you guys say the word habit with me? Paul had a habit. He had a habit of going and sharing his faith with people that weren't in the family of God yet. And so when we think about New Year's and new possibilities, Diane talked about you know, this is a great season. We have New Year's resolutions. We have New Year goals. And man, that's great. That's the good news. We want to change. We want to be better. We want to do more. But if that's the good news, what's the bad news? Well, some studies and some polls say that for everybody that, that starts these resolutions and goals, 92% of us give up on them by when? Fourth of July? Nope. Labor Day? Nope. By Valentine's Day. By Valentine's Day, 92% of us has already forgot about them. We've all been there. We can think back about that failure. Man, I tried to lose that weight. I tried to read more, I, whatever that is. And so we feel like failures. We feel like we're not good enough. And we're a little bit like Apostle Paul in Romans chapter 7. And he says this. He goes, I don't understand myself. For I want to stop eating junk food, right? I want to stop procrastinating. I want to do this. I want to do that. But that is not what, I have, it's not what I do. I want to do what is right. Paul continues, says, but I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate. I want to do what is right, but I can't. I want to do what is good, but I don't. I don't want to do what is wrong, but I do it anyway. Does anybody ever here feel like that? I know I've been there. And here's the thing. Paul does what we often do individually here. We identify our failures with who we are. And that's what he says right here. He goes, oh, what a miserable person I am. Oh, what a miserable person I am. How many, how many people here just like had that failure, have given up, and just like, man, I'm terrible. I am no good. We put that identity on who we are because we've just fallen a little bit short. But then Paul has a little shift in thought here, and I want you guys to follow this. Paul says, who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? And here's the thing, he runs straight to the source. The only person that can give us life, the only person that can give us hope. And he tells us right here, it says, the answer is in Jesus Christ, our Lord. Because in Jesus, Jesus is that source. He is our life. He is our redemption. He is our savior. Because it doesn't matter who you were, where you've been, what you've done. Because he has called you 
to be more than a conqueror. He has called you to make all things new. The old things are gone, aren't they? Amen. He has called and given us an ability to get through the identities of failure that we have in our life. So here's what's crazy. You know, we start these New Year's goals, these New Year resolutions. We have great intentions, right? We all want to do good. Then why do 92% of us fail by Valentine's Day? Why does that happen? And here's the three things I want to share with you today. There's three things on why we don't succeed. So the first one is this, and here's where you guys start taking your notes, start really focusing in. We focus on the what, but we don't understand the how. We focus on the what, but we don't understand the how. Most of us have similar goals, right? If I took a, if I took a poll of everybody in here, you guys all have probably similar, similar goals. But why do so many people just seem like, man, they've got to figure it out. They're, they're doing awesome. And then some of the rest of us, we're just like, man, I'm lost. I don't know. What did I do wrong? Most of us want to be healthy in some form or fashion, right? Nobody I've ever talked to said, oh, Barry, by the end of the year, I want to double my blood pressure and I want to eat my way into type 2 diabetes, right? Does anybody ever say that? No, they don't. Nobody says, everybody has a goal of being you know, financially healthy, financially free. Nobody says, all right, Barry, let's see, by, uh, by, the, by the middle of the year, I want to double my debt and I want to have it at 19% interest because Dave Ramsey doesn't know what he's talking about, right? Nobody has that goal. We all have similar goals, but we just some people just seem to knock it out of the park, and some other people just like, they just completely lose it. James Clear in Atomic Habits picks up on this idea. He says this. He says, winners and losers, they have similar goals. Successful people and unsuccessful people, they have similar goals. What is the difference? And here's what I like to, I, I like to tie back into this. I don't know. I played a lot of sports growing up, and I'm sure a lot of you did too. None of my coaches growing up ever started this season off by saying, guys, here's my goal for you. We're going to shoot for fifth place. Isn't that awesome? We're going to shoot for fifth place. It doesn't happen. Everybody's shooting for the championship. Nobody starts off their marriage by saying, oh, well, I want to have a blessed life, and I want to make it for about mm, five to seven years. And after that, we're probably going to go ahead and get divorced. Nobody starts off a marriage like that. So here's the issue. We all have goals, but goals aren't enough. Goals don't determine your success. Systems determine your success. And you're probably thinking, Barry, that sounds kind of business-like. That doesn't sound very spiritual. Systems determine success. That sounds kind of business. Is that, is that what we're really going to talk about? Here's what I want you to take with this idea. You can't read the Word of God with this lens or this idea and not see that godly systems have produced godly results in so many people's lives throughout the scriptures. And a lack of those systems have produced just terrible results. I think of, I think of Daniel. Daniel was one of my favorite stories growing up as a kid. And I don't know if you know very much about him, but there was a reason why Daniel was picked out of all the young men, because there was hundreds of them that were brought from Israel. But what made Daniel stand out and be noticed as talented, as godly, as faithful, as wise? What gave Daniel the ability to go in a lion's den where he was basically going to be executed by being eaten? What made him have the ability to survive that by being faithful and being faithful to God? Well, it was a system. 
And we don't think of it that way, but it really was. Because what did Daniel do? Daniel purposed in his heart years and years and years before he was put to the test that he would stop three times a day and do what? He would pray to God. Three times a day, Daniel stopped and prayed to God. That system of faithfulness produced a man that everybody else saw as being talented and godly and good. And he impacted a generation. But for so many of us, we get, we get the results all mixed up because we focus on the result. We don't focus on the system because we have this goal, whatever it is. I want to lose 20 pounds or I want to read two books a month. We focus on that result, but we don't fix the system that is producing the bad results in our lives. Because when you focus on what you are doing, on your habits, on your systems, if you fix the system, the results will come. So there is so much more that we can say about that. And I just wanted to touch that briefly as a little bit of a teaser. Because for the next couple weeks, we are going to hit some super, super practical things that you guys can apply right now to become successful, to enact those habits in your life. So I can't wait to see you guys back to go through those. Why do we fail? Number one, we look at the what, but we don't understand the how. Number two, we don't see progress fast enough. You guys ever been there? Mm-hmm, that's right. Uh, Josh Cubley drug me to the gym starting a couple months ago, and then he abandoned me two weeks ago, so I'm going to choke him out. <laughs> Just so you guys know, if he disappears, that was, that's what happened. But how many of us started a workout routine and said, Barry, I got on the treadmill three times this week. I didn't even eat any chocolate. And what happened? I gained five pounds. This stuff doesn't work. How about this? I've read my Bible every day this week. And my wife still made me mad on the way to church. And I had to yell at her and the kids. This prayer stuff, this reading the Bible stuff doesn't work. Right? Have you guys ever been there? How about this? I, Carrie. I'll pick on her now. She gave up Starbucks all month and she saved $100. Isn't that awesome? And she decided to pay it back on some of her debts. And instead of owing $40,000 in student debt, she only owes $39,900. How am I ever going to pay this off? Well, we wrongly conclude that the small good decisions in our life, they don't mean anything. They don't matter. And so on the flip side... We don't think that the small bad decisions matter either. So if I sit and watch football all day and I don't help around the house and my wife still doesn't leave me, it's not really that bad, right? Amen. Amen. <laughs> I got, I'm getting dangerous in here today, right? Guilty, guilty. If I skip church for a couple weekends, God doesn't strike me dead. Oh, I'm still okay. What if I sit down and eat that whole tub of Rocky Road ice cream, and, and man, I still look good, right? That's right. We wrongly conclude in the same way that these small bad decisions don't affect us or don't mean anything either. But I want you guys to know that our life is the sum of all these little decisions, good and bad, of what we do. They add up. And I want you guys to know, whatever you guys are sacrificing on the good side, you know, the time that you got up 30 minutes early to pray to God, the time that you fasted, the time that you were generous that nobody else saw, the time that you, you spent a little time working out, that you didn't eat that extra, that extra uh, portion, those little things add up. They are not wasted. They will impact your life. I like to give this analogy. I want you to know I'm not an arsonist, but I am a pyromaniac. 
So there is a difference. And so in my time, I've started a lot of fires, mostly bonfires. And actually, we just did one for the Halloween, uh, the Halloween youth group party. And so if you guys have ever started a fire of any kind, but especially a bonfire, you know this. It just doesn't appear. It just doesn't. Unless you cheat and use dynamite and diesel fuel or something like that. But if you do it right, what you start with is just a little match, a little flicker. And you have a little bit of grass, a few small pieces of paper. And you have a small little fire, right? And nobody sees it except for you. It's just right there in the middle. But as that fire builds a little bit, you throw on another, another piece of kindling. And a little, bit, a little bit more. And a bigger piece of wood. And from that little small spark and that little small pieces of kindling, what do you end up with? You end up with a raging fire. And at the beginning, nobody saw it. Only you. Your neighbors didn't notice what was happening. But before long, you have this raging fire and the neighbors notice. And Belton Fire Department notices, and they show up, and they say, what are you doing? I'm like, oh, I'm burning trash. And it's the same thing in our lives. The consistent godly disciplines that we apply, most people don't see. And then they view people that are spiritually successful as an overnight success, and that's not how it is. Because here's the reality. When you guys enact positive habits in your life, most of the time, most people don't see them. They don't see the early mornings and the late nights. They don't see the hard conversations that you've had to have with somebody. They don't see you fasting before God. They don't see your generosity. But all of a sudden, you appear to everybody else like that blazing bonfire as a person that is close to God. And again, you look like an overnight success. Or you just see, they just see somebody like, oh, God just blessed them because God loves them more. And that's not true. These people are... People that have practiced consistent disciplines over time. It's the things that no one sees that brings the results that everybody wants. And it's a little bit like what Paul encourages to do in Galatians 6. And he says this, let us not become weary in well-doing. For at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we don't give up. If we don't give up on those spiritual disciplines, on those good habits, you will reap a harvest. You will reap a bounty. Reasons why we fail. We focus on the what and we don't understand the how. Number two, we don't see progress fast enough. Number three, our distorted identity sabotages our success. Our distorted identity sabotages our success. The enemy is all around you telling you, you failed, so guess what? You are a failure. I did something wrong. I did something bad. Well, now you're a bad person. That's what the enemy is whispering in your ear. That's what the enemy is telling you. And again, if you read through the pages of Scripture, you see, saying, you, know, you see people, they're just like you and I. They struggle with that same issue. They had those same problems. Think about Moses. God came to Moses and called him and said, hey, you're going to go free my people. But what was Moses' response? There was something in his past that was holding him back. There was some sort of failure that made him identify as a failure. And he says, I'm not a good speaker, God. I can't go. I'm not qualified. The same thing with a guy named Gideon. Gideon said, God, I'm nervous. Who's not nervous? I'm nervous up here, right? That's what Gideon identified as. He said, I am the least, I'm the most unqualified of my whole community. And yet God called him. How about Paul? We talked about him as being a man of having great habits. But he also had his struggles as well. Paul had failures in his past. If you didn't know it, the guy that wrote over half of our New Testament... He started off his professional ministry killing Christians. He looked back. He said, I am not worthy. I am not qualified. I am the least of these guys called apostles. That's how Paul viewed himself. Here's how it works out in our lives. 
you may say, well, that's just, that's just what I am. That's just who I am. Everybody knows that I just have an addictive personality, so why shouldn't I just have that, that other drink? Well, everybody knows that I just don't handle money well, so I'm just going to go shopping. It's okay. Don't worry about it. That's just, that's just who I am. Maybe everybody knows I'm not organized, I'm not disciplined, I'm not whatever. Well, what happens is we take these unhealthy habits and we have these identities that, that fall out of them. So when you have that unhealthy identity, you view yourself as this failure, as this bad person. You just give yourself over to these bad habits, right? And then you have this vicious cycle. The bad habits reinforce what that identity you have is. It works like this. You might look at yourself as like, hey, I'm not a super Christian. I just, I just go to church every once in a while. I mean, God doesn't care about me. God doesn't care what I do. And so you don't pray anymore. And you stop going to church. And you stop giving. You, start, you stop making a difference in other people's lives. Those are the habits that we foster. And then pretty soon we see these habits that aren't godly affecting us. And you're like, well, yeah, that's, why not? That's who I am. But that's not how we were meant to be because our identity drives our habits. I think back to this, this one time we were, uh, I played high school baseball and I was in our class and this was my first year on varsity. And uh, the coach, which all good coaches do, they'll find some leadership in the upperclassmen, juniors, seniors, whatever. And they'll challenge them like, hey, you're a leader on this team. We want you to help lead so we can have success, so we can create these habits to go further and farther and we need your help and so that particular year our coach had picked out a couple guys and one guy he was just not about it but there was another guy he wanted to be identified as a leader he had this goal and this drive he wanted to be that guy he wanted to be that leader so I remember after one practice early in the season we were doing a lot of uh, a lot of running which I still don't get we play baseball why are we running right I didn't join track and field so we just had this brutal two-hour practice and the coach says, time for some foul poles. And if you don't know what foul poles are, is you go to the outfield and you go to the, to the right field foul pole and you run all the way back. And he said, hey, you guys got 20 foul poles today. And what are we doing? We're sitting there grumbling, we're tired. But the guy that wanted to be a leader, he showed up. Because a leader, identity drives our habits. A leader knows what to do. When you know your identity, you know what to do. So what did this guy do? He said, hey guys, he put us all on his, on his back. He said, hey guys, follow me. So he got us pumped up. He's like, we're like, oh, what are we doing? He's like, and he started going like rah, rah. The next thing I know, he had 30 guys, high schoolers, singing Bloodhound Gang, Fire, Water, Burn. I don't know if you guys know that song. I'm not going to sing it today, but it's not church appropriate. And it really wasn't appropriate for us to be singing it. But he took that team as a leader and he pumped us up and we were running back and forth and those poles, they just, they disappeared like that. Had he not done that, had he not identified as a leader and stepped up and done what a leader does, we would have just been dragging. We would have accomplished very little that day. So what does that look like in your guys' lives? Because not only can you have a negative spiral, but God knows that we can have a positive spiral. Who do you want to identify as today? And here's the goal. Here's what we need to really focus on. So many of us, when we look at resolutions and goals, we get this a little backwards because we focus on the do goals. I want to lose that 20 pounds. I want to read those two books. Whatever it is, I want, I want to get debt free. You know, I want to, I want to save $10,000. 
We focus on the do goals. But my challenge for you guys this year and in these coming weeks is focus on the who goals. Who do you want to be? Maybe you want to be a person that can be called a person that loves God. And that's a great who goal. Maybe you want to be a person that's known as clean and sober. Also, great who goals. Maybe you want to be a godly spouse. Maybe you want to be a great parent. Maybe you want to be financially free so you can be generous to the people that God puts in your life that need just a little extra help. Make great who goals. Who do you want to be? That's what I want to encourage you to think about. Who do you want to become? Another thing that I'm reminded of is when you talk about identity is it's like, I've had a lot of people, uh, I run a construction crew, I've had a lot of guys on my crew that just have smoked for years and years and years. And for whatever reason, a lot of them have said, hey, I want to quit smoking. Well, here's what I've seen in my life and how they react, what their identity is. is They'll come along, we'll have a break or whatever, and somebody will offer them a cigarette. And the people that are unsuccessful, they'll say this, is like, oh, I'm trying to quit. Well, what are they saying? They're saying, well, I'm a smoker. That's who they identify as, and I'm trying to give that up. But their, identify, their identity's all messed up. The people that I've seen that are successful, they say something a little bit different. Somebody offers them a cigarette, and they say, hey, I don't smoke anymore. That's in my past. That's not who I am. I'm a, I'm a person that doesn't do that now. They identified as something different, and therefore their habits flew. They came out of that. They flowed out of that. So in the same way, so many of us, we're like, we feel trapped. Barry, I can't change. I can't make it. I'm a sinner trapped. And Paul addresses this again. And he says this, he goes, in Romans 6, 6, we know that our old sinful selves were crucified with Christ so that sin may lose its power in our lives. It doesn't have to reign over us anymore. We are no longer slaves to sin. For when we died with Christ, we are set free from the power of sin. Now you are free from your slavery to sin and you have become slaves to righteous living. So here's the difference between any other self-help book that you've listened to, any other podcast you've listened to, say, hey, pull yourself up by your bootstraps because God has not abandoned you just to your own power. He is there for you. He is that source. He is that life. He is your savior. He will do it with you. You don't have to do this on your own. And God is calling us to a great identity. An identity that is in Him. That's what God has for us because identity shapes those actions. And so my prayer for you guys this this year, these next 21 days, is to focus on who do you want to be? Who is God calling you to be? God has something for each person here because nobody's arrived, nobody's perfect. We all have something that we can grow, someplace that we can achieve, someplace that that God is calling us to say, hey, that could be a problem in your life and I want something better for you. So as you guys bow your heads and pray with me, I want you guys to focus on that thing. What do you want to change? What is it? Maybe it's something you've struggled with in the past. Maybe it's something that you've tried to just to break, a habit you've tried to get past in your, in your life before and you were unsuccessful. I want you to know that God has something better for you. Who are you? What is your identity? Be the person that God has called you to be. Because so many times in our lives, we view ourselves as what the view, world views us as, is a piece of trash, a social security number, a tool in the box. 
That's how we view ourselves. But when we look in the scripture and we pray, God has a better identity for you. It's an identity of valuable, valuableness, worthiness. Think of it this way. God did not leave heaven and sacrifice himself for just no good reason. He did it for each person in this room. He wants something great in your life. God, as we come before you, I just want to pray for each person here, Lord. I know that they have a struggle. I know that they have an issue. I know it's something that you're calling them to be better at, something that you want for their lives. There's a warrior in each person here, Lord, and they're fighting a battle today. Lord, I pray that you let them know that they are not alone, that you are there by their side, lifting them up in your power. Lord, I pray that each person over the next 21 days and through the rest of the year, that they take that challenge that you've given them that thing that you want them to change, that place where you want them to be better, to grow closer to you, to know that they are a child of God. I pray that they enact those habits and they find that identity in you today. Lord, I also want to pray for, for somebody here today that maybe they just they don't they don't know what, what this is all about. And they don't have an identity in you because they don't haven't met you yet. They're not in the family of God. If you happen to be there and you and you find yourself in that situation today, I would love to pray for you. If you if you don't think that or don't know that you're in the in the kingdom of God or in the family of God, would you raise your hand? I would love to pray for you. If you find yourself in that situation, I want you to pray something like this with me. God, I know that I've struggled my entire life and I've haven't found that purpose yet. God, I know that there's something wrong, there's something destructive in my life. There's a sin in my life that I can't I can't control, that I can't name even. God, please come take that. I acknowledge that you are my savior. You are the one that has sacrificed everything for me. God, please accept my brokenness and my humbleness and I accept you as my savior. And we praise that in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's give